Barnaby Rudge Preface This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading by Brad Philippone Barnaby Rudge by Charles Dickens Preface the late mr waterton having some time ago expressed his opinion that ravens are gradually becoming extinct in england i offered the few following words about my experience of these birds the raven in this story is a compound of two great originals of whom i was at different times the proud possessor the first was in the bloom of his youth when he was discovered in a modest retirement in london by a friend of mine and given to me he had from the first as sir hugh evans says of anne page good gifts which he improved by study and attention in a most exemplary manner he slept in a stable generally on horseback and so terrified a newfoundland dog by his preternatural sagacity that he has been known by the mere superiority of his genius to walk off unmolested with the dog's dinner from before his face he was rapidly rising in acquirements and virtues when in an evil hour his stable was newly painted he observed the workmen closely saw that they were careful of the paint and immediately burned to possess it on their going to dinner he ate up all they had left behind consisting of a pound or two of white lead and this youthful indiscretion terminated in death while i was yet inconsolable for his loss another friend of mine in yorkshire discovered an older and more gifted raven at a public-house which he prevailed upon the landlord to part with for a consideration and sent up to me the first act of this sage was to administer to the effects of his predecessor by disinterring all the cheese and halfpence that he had buried in the garden a work of immense labour and research to which he devoted all the energies of his mind when he had achieved this task he applied himself to the acquisition of a stable language in which he soon became such an adept that he would perch outside my window and drive imaginary horses with great skill all day perhaps even i never saw him at his best for his former master sent his duty with him and if i wished the bird to come out very strong would i be so good as to show him a drunken man which i never did having unfortunately none but sober people at hand but i could hardly have respected him more whatever the stimulating influences of the sight might have been he had not the least respect i am sorry to say for me in return or for anybody but the cook to whom he was attached but only i fear as a policeman might have been once i met him unexpectedly about half a mile from my house walking down the middle of a public street attended by a pretty large crowd and spontaneously exhibiting the whole of his accomplishments his gravity under those trying circumstances i can never forget genius to live long or it may have been that he took some pernicious substance into his bill and thence into his maw which is not improbable seeing that he knew pointed the greater part of the garden wall by digging out the mortar broke countless squares of glass by scraping away the putty all round the frames and tore up and swallowed in splinters the greater part of a wooden staircase of six steps and a landing but after some three years he too was taken ill and died before the kitchen fire he kept his eye to the last upon the meat as it roasted and suddenly turned over on his back with a sepulchral cry of cuckoo since then i have been ravenless 
no account of the gordon riots having been to my knowledge introduced into any work of fiction and the subject presenting very extraordinary and remarkable features i was led to project this tale it is unnecessary to say that those shameful tumults while they reflect indelible disgrace upon the time in which they occurred and all who had act or part in them teach a good lesson that we falsely call a religious cry is easily raised by men who have no religion and who in their daily practice set at naught the commonest principles of right and wrong that it is begotten of intolerance and persecution that it is senseless besotted inveterate and unmerciful all history teaches us but perhaps we do not know it in our hearts too well to profit by even so humble an example as the no popery riots of seventeen hundred and eighty however imperfectly those disturbances are set forth in the following pages they are impartially painted by one who has no sympathy with the romish church though he acknowledges as most men do some esteemed friend among the followers of its creed in the description of the principal outrages reference has been made to the best authorities of that time such as they are the account given in this tale of all the main features of the riots is substantially correct mr dennis's allusions to the flourishing condition of his trade in those days have their foundation in truth and not in the author's fancy any file of old newspapers or odd volumes of the annual register will prove this with terrible ease even the case of mary jones dwelt upon with so much pleasure by the same character is no effort of invention the facts were stated exactly as they are stated here in the house of commons whether they afforded as much entertainment to the merry gentlemen assembled there as some other most affecting circumstances of a similar nature mentioned by sir samuel romilly is not recorded that the case of mary jones may speak the more emphatically for itself i subjoin it as related by sir william meredith in a speech in parliament on frequent executions made in seventeen seventy seven under this act the shoplifting act one mary jones was executed whose case i shall just mention it was at the time when press warrants were issued on the alarm about falcon islands the woman's husband was pressed their goods seized for some debts of his and she with two small children turned into the streets of begging it is a circumstance not to be forgotten that she was very young under nineteen and most remarkably handsome she went to a linen draper's shop took some coarse linen off the counter and slipped it under her cloak the shopman saw her and she laid it down for this she was hanged her defence was i have the trial in my pocket that she had lived in credit and wanted for nothing till a press-gang came and stole her husband from her but since then she had no bed to lie on nothing to give her children to eat and they were almost naked and perhaps she might have done something wrong for she hardly knew what she did the parish officers testified the truth of this story but it seems there had been a good deal of shoplifting about ludgate an example was thought necessary and this woman was hanged for the comfort and satisfaction of shopkeepers in ludgate street when brought to receive sentence she behaved in such a frantic manner as proved her mind to be in a distracted and desponding state and the child was sucking at her breast when she set out for tyburn end of preface